Good morning. Welcome to Fam Church. Excited that all of you guys are here. It's Fourth of July weekend, and I'm just so glad that some of you stayed in town this weekend. I mean, it's always a good thing when people stay in town and come to church because it makes me feel good. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Because you know, you look in here, you see the room empty, and you're like, "Oh man, I suck." You know, and that's a thought that goes through your mind, but, uh, but no, I'm glad that you're here. If you're here for the first time, please be sure and take out that connection card and, and bring it to our connections desk and get your free gift before you leave today so that we can connect with you. And if you're here for the first time or the, you're in church for the first time in a long time or maybe the first time ever, we want to welcome you this morning and uh, we just want to let you know that this is just a church of normal, everyday, average people, okay? We're not something better. We're not super spiritual. We're just regular people here trying to follow Jesus. And that's who we are. We're glad that you joined us. And if you're here this morning because you heard I might be shooting fireworks off after service, I hate to disappoint you, but there will be no colorful things in the sky. If, however, you brought some with you and would like to shoot them off for us after service, we'll be more than happy to partake with you. Okay? And uh, last week we ended our series called Caged, and uh, if you missed that series, I thought it was a really powerful series. Uh, It was four weeks of different fears that cage us, and you can catch those all on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, our Fam Church app, or myfamchurch.com on the media tab, but I would encourage you, if you missed those messages, to go there and to catch up and to hear what you missed, because it was really good. And and today we're not starting a new series, I'm just doing a single message here, and we're going to talk about somebody that we introduced a few weeks ago. And we're going to talk about a man named Lot. He was introduced in, uh, when we were talking about Abraham back a few weeks ago. And, uh, and so where we're going to be at this morning is we're going to be in Genesis chapter 19. And so you're welcome to turn there and prepare for us to be reading of the text this morning, Genesis chapter 19. And, uh, and before we look at the text, before we read this text, I want to ask you guys a question. My question is this. Have you ever been in a place, have you ever been in a spot where you turned and took a second look at something and you wished you had never turned around and made that second look? Yes? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've had that on many occasions where I've been someplace and I've turned around and I've taken a second look and went, oh, I never should have taken that second look. Okay, I remember one time our family, we were at the beach, we were over at Daytona Beach. And I don't know, I think it was even a holiday weekend, I'm not sure. But we were over there, and uh, we got there, we parked on the beach, you know, and we, we set up all of our stuff, and, and me and the kids had gone in the water, and Dana, she doesn't like to go in the water, and so she was standing on the edge, and, and so we, after being in the water about an hour, we decided we were going to walk back to where we had set up our stuff, and so we all get up, and we go, and we head back to our stuff. Well, as we get back to our stuff, Dana says to me, did you see that? And my thought was, no, I didn't see that. See what? And so I turned around to look at where we had come from, and she pointed to two ladies who I think were on vacation from Europe because they were only wearing their bikini bottoms as they headed into the water. Yes. And this may sound kind of mean, but they should have been wearing their tops. All right, they should have put those tops on. Because I turned around and I saw some things that I didn't want to see, and unfortunately, they're burned into my brain. It's like, you know, I wish that I had the, the movie Men in Black. Anybody see the movie Men in Black? That little thing that you pull out that you zap your brain to forget everything? I, I wish I had some, one of those for occasions like this so I could zap my brain and not remember. And, you know, I'm really not going to lie to you. It's like almost every time you go to the beach, you usually see something you don't want to see, right? I mean, come on. 
Let's be honest here. We're in church. We can't lie. We see things we don't want to see, right? Like the guy who should maybe never take his shirt off in public. Okay, I know you guys are probably thinking, this is a pastor saying this stuff? I'm sorry, I'm a normal guy, okay? I, but, but you know, we see things and, and all of us have been in places where we wish we would have never turned around, where we wish never looked back because taking a second look messed with us. Now, before we read the events of Genesis chapter 19, I want to give you a little bit of background information on Lot. Okay, Lot was the nephew of Abraham, and he came with Abraham when God called Abraham to leave Ur uh, of the Chaldeans, which is modern-day Iraq, and head towards the land of Canaan, and he decided that whatever God was going to give Abraham, that's what he wanted as well, so he took the 1,200-mile journey with Abraham to the promised land, which is modern-day Israel. Well, the promised land just wasn't big enough for these two families. They got there, and Abraham and his family, and Lot and his family started having all kinds of family conflicts. They started having trouble. They started bumping heads. They started kung fu fighting. I wish we had that song in there. Everybody was kung fu fighting. All right, but, but they just started fighting. And so finally, finally, Abraham said, you know what? I don't want to fight with you all the time, Lot. I don't want to have conflict. I don't want to have issues. I don't want to have problems. And so, and so why don't we do this? Why don't we split up? You look over all of the land. You look over all of the world here that we're standing in, and you pick whatever place you want to go to. You pick wherever you want to go and I'll go the opposite way. And so Abraham, uh, Lot gets up there and he looks out and he sees the valley of Zoar and how green and beautiful and lush it is and he says, that's where I want to go because that's going to be the best place. And so uh, Lot heads off his way and uh, Abraham heads the opposite way. And uh, you know, what he saw was he looked at this and he saw the green grass and he saw the rivers flowing through the land and he saw the fields for his flocks to go in and eat plenty of food and he saw the opportunity to be able to go in there and make some money and live a good life and have some good things. And so Lot, seeing all of those things, decided that that's where he needs to go. But the interesting thing is the land had a bunch of issues. The, writers of, the writer of Genesis tells us that the people who lived in the plain of Zoar, the plain where the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were at, were sinning greatly. But that's where Lot and his family chose to live. Well, after Lot and his family lived there for a while, the wickedness of the area became too intense. And so God decides he's going to put a stop to it. So he decides that he's going to destroy the plain as well as the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so God comes to Abraham in chapter 18 of Genesis and tells him what he's planning on doing. And so Abraham, concerned about his nephew's fate, he begins to pray. He, get, he begs God to spare the life of some of the people of the city. And I think the only family in the valley that Abraham was concerned about was Lot's. But nonetheless, God says Abraham prayed and the prayer... Uh, caused God to move to action, and he sent a couple of angels to, to Sodom and Gomorrah to pull Lot and his family out. And these angels, they look like men. They arrive in Sodom, and they're, they're sitting there in the city, and they, they walk up to the city gates, and they say, hey, the city gates look like a great place to chill. And so they set up a couple of chairs, and they sit down by the city gate, and Lot comes walking by, and he sees these men sitting by the city gate, and he says, uh, hey, you guys shouldn't hang out here. And the guys are like, no, 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 we're going to sleep here. We're going to stay here. We're good. It's cool. It's awesome. And so the, Lot's like, no, no, you really need to come to my house. And so Lot drags these guys off to his house and uh, they get to his house and they get inside. And just as soon as they arrive at the house, all craziness breaks loose. You know, all kinds of insane things happen. You know, the men pound on the door of the city and they ask for them to send the two dudes outside to them. And we're not going to get this, uh, we're going to keep this G rated here this morning because we got the kids in, the, in here. But, but some bad stuff was about to go down. And, and so, um, and so the, the, the guys strike these people with blind 
kindness so that Lot, he can get Lot out from the crowd and they can get out of the city. And that's where we pick up where we're going to read Genesis chapter 19 and we're going to read verses 12 through 29. And this is what it says. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons or daughters or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who were pledged to marry his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-laws thought he was joking. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hand of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here is a town near enough to run to and it's small. Let me flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, very well, I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town is called Zoar. And just on a side note here, do you see what God did? Lot was asking for something less than God's best. See, God was calling him to go to the mountains to get away from this. And Lot said, no, don't send me that far. I want to go short of what you've got got for me. I want to stay back from what you have for me. And God granted his request. He allowed him to go short of what God had for him. And sometimes God will do that for us. He'll allow us to have second best because we don't want what's best in our lives. Continuing on with the text. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land, and the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities, and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, towards all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived." And there's all kinds of issues here in this text. There's many things that we could talk about that we could look at, you know, like what sin caused God to destroy the areas? That's always a topic of debate. Or will God talk to us first before he tries to do something? And when we pray, when we pray, will he send angels like he did for Abraham and for Lot? But there are three things that I want to focus on this morning, three points that I want to pull out of this text. And the first one is this. Sin is going to look good. It's going to look fun. It's going to look like a place to live but make the choice to stay away from it. See, Genesis tells us that Lot, he looked at the land and saw how beautiful it was. He looked at the land and saw how amazing it was. He used his eyes and he looked down upon the land and that is how he made his choice. That is how he made his decision to go to the land of Zohar. It was about external external appearances. It was about the outside. It was about nothing to do with God. It wasn't about him seeking God and praying and pressing in. It was all about the external things because it's where he wanted to go. It's what he wanted to do. And you know what? All too often in our lives, we do the same thing. 
See, when we're looking at situations and circumstances that we encounter in our life, we look at them based on what our eyes are telling us to do. I mean, I've done this before. I've done it many times. I, I think of uh, in 2010, in late 2010, we were let go from our church in Ocala as youth pastors because the church had gotten into some financial trouble and, and they couldn't afford to keep any staff. And so all of the staff was released except for the pastor. And, and, uh, and we were sitting there, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And so for a couple of months, we were, we were doing nothing. I mean, I had no open doors, no nothing. I was, I was looking for, Kmart wouldn't even hire me, okay? Kmart told me I had too much education to work for them. I don't know what that means, but Kmart wouldn't even hire me. And so uh, about three months in, about March, all of a sudden we get two phone calls from different churches. We got a phone call from a church in Connecticut, and then we got a phone call from a church in Oxford, Florida, which was about 15 miles from our house. And uh, so we looked at these two churches, and the one in Connecticut had the eye appeal. It was a very hip church. They were more contemporary. They seemed to be doing things more moving forward. Meanwhile, the church in Oxford didn't seem to be so contemporary. They seemed to be kind of older school in how they did things. And so when my wife and I, when we sat there, because both churches offered us a position at their church, and so we sat down and we looked at it, and you know what we did? We did the eye test. We looked at him and we said, man, could we spend the next however many years at this church that's kind of doing things the way we don't like them to be done? Or should we go to this church where everything looks nice and pretty and great? Guess what decision we made? We made the decision to go to the church in Connecticut that looked nice and pretty and great and awesome. And that really was a rough year that we spent there. It was a challenge. We went for the eye appeal and we went to Connecticut and it wasn't the wisest decision. And, and uh, I think that if we would have gone for the spirit test rather than the eye test, we probably wouldn't have ended up in Connecticut for that year, but instead ended up at Oxford. I mean, who knows? It still may have ended up the same way, but I think that we kind of pulled the trigger on that based upon what we saw rather than what we felt. And the biggest problem when we do things by the eye test and not by the God test is it makes us look to everyone else who's not following God like we operate the exact same way that they do. You know what I mean? They look at us and they see our lives and they see, because that's how the world makes their decisions. The world doesn't go to God and pray to God and say, God, what are you telling me to do? The world just looks at the situation. They open their eyes. They look at how nice, how pretty. They look at the dollar signs behind it, how big the house is, how nice the car is, and they make their decisions based upon those things. I mean, Lot, that's what, I think that's what happened with Lot here because, you know, when Lot was, uh, he's hanging out and, and all of a sudden he runs to his sons-in-laws and he says to them, hey, we got to get out of here. We got to bail out. We've got to move on. His sons-in-laws, the text says, laughed at him. Because what happened? Lot was all of a sudden pulling out the Jesus card when he needed the Jesus card, but he'd never pulled out the Jesus card before and the, the, the people around them, the people inside him couldn't tell the difference between Lot and the people who lived in the city. Because they weren't there when Lot had made the long journey from Ur all the way to Canaan. They weren't there to see the miracles and the great things that God had done. They weren't there to see all of that. And all they knew of Lot and their family was what they had seen since they arrived. And what they saw was a family that went with what looked good, that went with what they wanted to do. They went with what felt best, and it was the exact same thing that the people who did not know God, who lived in Sodom, were doing. 
They couldn't tell the difference between Lot, his family, and the rest of the people that lived in town. And when you don't look different, when you do things the same way as everyone else, people dismiss your God because what difference could a God make in my life when he appears to not be making a difference in the lives of those who follow him? And you know what? I know what? This is part of the problem why our country is in the shape that it's in. I hear so many people, you know, oh gosh, our country is just falling apart. But part of the problem is that when people look at the lives of those who follow Jesus, they can't tell the difference between a Christ follower and somebody who's not following God whatsoever in their life. And here's what's interesting. Uh, An organization called Pew Research, they did a study in 2014 and they asked this question, what is essential to your beliefs? And so they asked Christians, people who said they were Christians, that question, and they asked people who said they were not Christians that question. And here's what they found. There was only one difference between the people who were Christians and the people who weren't Christians. That difference was this. The people who said they were Christians thought prayer was important to their life. The people who weren't Christians thought protecting the environment was the most important thing or one of the more important things. But on every other category, the church and those those who claimed they were Christians lined up exactly with those who don't follow God whatsoever. See, this is part of the problem that we have. We are no different But in order to make a difference, we have to be different. And see, this is not a finger that I'm pointing at you. It's pointed at me because I know that all too often I look the same as the world. I know this. I see this. I get this in my life. I mean, I look at, I I think I've mentioned this before, but I think about the the choice of, it's been just kind of going through my mind over and over recently, but the, the choice of the house that we purchased Um, You know, I like our house. It's a nice house. It's in a nice neighborhood. You know, we've got nice neighbors. Everything is nice there. And I think that's, and plus we got a nice price for the size of a house. And just on a side note there was somebody would say, well, God opened the door for that. And so, you know what? Just because the door is open is not God saying you need to go through the door. Okay? Sometimes God asks us to discern and determine whether or not that door is for us to go through or not. Because you know what? We talked about Lot here. God opened the door for second best. And so I asked myself the question, I'm just like, man, did I go with the I appeal test? Did I go with the test that says, man, this is a nice neighborhood, a nice house, all of this stuff, because I feel like sometimes I should be living in this community right back over here to make the biggest impact for this city and for this church in this city. And so I do it too. And then the second thing I see here is that when God calls us to do something, we are not to look back to where we came from. See, God told Lot and his family to run from Sodom and Gomorrah and not look back. The instructions were clear, but Lot's wife decided to look back. She decided to see what was back there, and because of it, she died. Now, this text is not telling us don't look back or you're going to die. I think what Jesus wants us to hear here is that we are not to look back to the things that we left behind. See, he wants us to keep our eyes focused forward. He wants us to keep looking ahead and focusing on what's up there, not what's back here. And I understand that this is basic and simple, but if it's so easy and basic, why is it, so many, why is it that so many people, including myself, struggle with it? 
I mean, there's several people in the Bible that we can find that struggle with this very thing. I mean, if we're just to turn a few pages ahead in the book of Genesis, we'd come across Joseph and his brothers and the story there and, and, uh, and you know, how Joseph had, had gone, his brothers had sold him off into slavery and he became second in charge of all of Egypt. Well, when his brothers finally found out who they, he was, Joseph had forgiven them because he saw that God's hand was on it. He was looking forward. His brothers, however, had a different perspective. See, his brothers were afraid that once his father was dead, that Joseph was going to try and kill them. They were looking behind. It's something that all of us struggle with. We try to look back and see what's back there and see what we missed out on and see what we should have done differently. And God is saying, no, we're not supposed to look behind. We're supposed to look forward. We're supposed to move forward. We're supposed to not focus on what's behind, but focus on what's ahead. And it's hard. It's hard. Because too many times, too many people let the past define who they are. Too many people let their past define who they are. But God doesn't want our past to define who we are. You see, God has called us to let him and the future he has for us define us. Not anything that was in our past, not any of the hurts, not any of the pains, not any of the things that have come along in our life and have really done something to us. Those are not to define who we are. God and the future the forward direction that he is putting us in, that he is pointing us to, that's what is to define who we are. (sighs) But we like to hold on to things in the past. I mean, even when it comes to taking things out of our lives, I mean, there's so many people I know that have sins in their past, that have things in their past, and they say to themselves, well, you know what? I don't want this thing, but I got to keep it around just in case. I got to keep it around just in case. I got to keep those friends close that have led me in a bad direction just in case I need friends to rely on. You know, I'll clear out my internet browser history to get the pornography out of there, but I'll keep note of the web pages that I've gone to so that at a later date, if I need to, I can go back and access it. We try to stay close. And that's what Lot did here. He tried to stay close to what God was telling him to run far from. He tried to stay close to it. God said, run to the mountains. Get as far away as you can. And he said, no, you know what? I want to go to this city right down over here. Well, I guarantee you that that city, being in that plane, in that inf- this city was one of those cities that was supposed to be destroyed. And I guarantee you that they had the same sin, the same junk, the same garbage, the same stuff going on in that city that they had in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was just on a smaller scale. We can't stay close to stuff. If you really want stuff gone, we need to run to the mountains. We need to flee from it. We need to get as far away from it as we possibly can. Don't hold on. Don't keep it close. Don't keep looking back so that you can go back to it again and again and again. And I don't think they wanted to run because running was going to make life uncomfortable. They'd already lost their home, their livestock, their crops, their fiance, their bank accounts, and almost everything else but the clothes on their back. They didn't want anything else to make them uncomfortable. See, comfort is hard to give up because we don't like to be uncomfortable. And when God speaks to us in order to keep ourselves from looking back, we need to be willing to sacrifice our comfort 
We need to be willing to say, Jesus, it doesn't matter what makes me comfortable. I will give it up for you. And I wish I could stand here and say, you know what? I'm a living example of this. But once again, I'm not. I struggle with this just like everybody else because it's nice to be comfortable. It's good to make decisions based on comfort. But in order to see Jesus do what he wants to do, we need to make a commitment and say that our comfort is no, no longer matters. What's important is what Jesus is calling me to do. What's important is what Jesus is speaking to me about. We cannot hesitate. We cannot wait. We cannot think about it. Otherwise, we're putting ourselves in a spot where we may decide to look back like Lot's wife did. And when we stop and when we look back, it gives opportunity for Satan. It gives him a window to get into our lives and mess around and drag us down. So why did she look back? Because, I mean, God sent angels. The angels grabbed her and pulled her out of the place. I mean, she could hear the cities being destroyed behind her. She knew all of this stuff, so why would she look back? And I think it's because of the challenge of change. Change is hard, and we find comfort in always doing what we've always done. But then in a moment, we'll have an encounter with God, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we decide, okay, it's time to change. But then when we really get down into it, and we get back into our craziness of our life, our everyday life, and we put that change to the, set, the test, we find ourselves in the same house, hanging with the same people, going to the same school with the same job. It becomes really hard to not look back. Why do we want to look back and forget about the change? Because we're comfortable with life like this and we don't want it any different because we know being different will hurt. I think that's where life, Lot's wife was at. The angels came and said, it's going to destroy the city. And she hesitated. She started to think about the change that she was going to make. And the angels had to take her by the hand and drag her out. I mean, this city is about to be destroyed. It's about to be destroyed. And she's hesitating on getting out and she had to be dragged out of the city. But then when the realization came to her and she started to run, for a moment she had the thought in her head, you know what, it's okay. But then once again it came back and she said, oh, I'm going to miss that. And she turned around and she looked and it ultimately ended up her being turned into a pillar of salt. Greg, if you could come back up. We need to learn from this. We need to learn that if God has done something in your life and because of it we need to make a change, we should make the change. We shouldn't fear change. See, even though change is hard, even though change hurts, even though change make us, makes us feel less secure, the change that God brings is there to keep us out of a worse place. See, Lot's wife decided she didn't want to be burned by the fire, but because the change brought fear into her heart and caused her to want to turn back, she died anyways. She was turned into a pillar of salt. And when God is leading us to change, when God is leading us to become uncomfortable, it's for our own good. He knows what waits for us down the road. He knows what will happen to us if we stay on the same road that we are on. He knows what it's going to cost us. And God is saying, no, don't do that. Give up your comforts. Go the way I'm calling you to go. I mean, really, I live this story. When I became a Christian, it was like all gung-ho. I was like all Jesus all the way, and I was going for it. And, and for six months, I was running that race. But see, what happened was, is that because I was running this race, I had to cut off my other friends. 
because my friends weren't that great. The people I was hanging out with weren't that awesome. They were doing all kinds of crazy things, and so I cut myself off from them. But after six months of like having really no friendships, having really no relationships, I said, man, this is uncomfortable. I hate this. I don't want to be in this spot. I want to have friends. I want to have people that I go places with and do stuff with and talk to and all of those things. And so I said, you know what? This is too uncomfortable for me. And I walked back to my friends and I started hanging out with them again. At first it was okay, but then slowly we began going down and down and down. And the next thing I knew, I was in the same spot that I had started off with before Jesus had come and had set me free. And this set me back years in my walk with God. It set me back years because I had to be uncomfortable and I just didn't like it. That's not how Jesus wants our walk with him to be lived. That's not how Jesus wants us to feel when we walk with him. He doesn't want us and our lives to get messed up and our walk with him to get messed up because we're afraid of stuff. We're afraid of sin. Or I mean, I mean sorry. We're, we're afraid of being uncomfortable. He doesn't want our walk with him to get messed up because we're always looking back to see what's behind and saying to ourselves, man, I wish I had that. We need to trust God when he speaks and when he tells us to run. See, we need to stop looking back, stop making decisions on what looks good in our eyes, what looks good from a worldly perspective, and instead make decisions that say, God, what is it you are speaking, regardless of how uncomfortable it makes me feel? And so those are the questions we need to ask ourselves when God is calling, when God is trying to move us away from something that could hurt us, that could destroy us, that could pull us down, that could, that could ruin our walk with God and cost us an eternity in heaven. 